Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Good to uh, see you this morning. If you have your Bible, be turning to Acts chapter 17. We are continuing our journey through the book of Acts and through this chapter in particular, pretty active chapter, uh, a lot of changing locations. And I want to, um, our title this morning is going to be A Heart for the City. And I want to read the text and then we'll, uh, we'll pray. What we're going to be looking at, let's start at 14 just so we get the context and kind of get our minds back around where we were. It says, uh, and, they, and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods. <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> that they said that because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Aeropagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean for all the Athenians and strangers which were uh, there spent their timing, nothing else, but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do just uh, thank you for today and the opportunities that, Lord, you are allowing us to have. Father, I just ask that uh, you would just remove me and that you would just use me as a vessel and that you would speak clearly to your people this morning. Father, we want to have a biblical understanding of how to truly uh, uh, have a heart for a city. And uh, this city, uh, first and foremost, because we are here, and those that are in their perspective cities that are represented on Zoom, Lord, that um, it might be something that is useful to you. And, uh, and so, Lord, help us to just get your view on this and uh, be with me and help my stumbling lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> we read this and we could see that obviously there was some activity that had taken place in Berea a lot of kind of how we even just think about Berea is that this is really one of the more successful places that Paul went, not a ton of opposition until, you know, the end, but really just in terms of the reception from those Jews at the synagogue and ultimately these Gentiles. Remember, we had talked about some women that had influence and that even that those ladies that have influence, uh, you know, were able to minister to their husbands and, and that had an impact. And so, that, that all sounds well and good, <laughs> but you remember kind of what happened with that. And ultimately those Jews, the, well, the thugs from Thessalonica, they show up in Berea. And uh, now in your mind, you may be thinking, and we're gonna, I'm gonna show you something here in a little bit uh, that's gonna just show, you may be thinking that this is like happening over a week. Now, it's actually kind of a long period of time, because the one thing that you got to understand about Thessalonica is that there was an established church there by the time he left. 
Okay. And so that, that takes time to establish a church. That's not going to happen in a week. Right. And so you got to have some time there just in terms of understanding what we're looking at there. And so after some time, then you see the thugs show up. And then of course we have where we are now, where they end up in uh, Athens and actually Silas and Timotheus hang, hang back. We're going to look at where we see in the book of Thessalonians, really, that's not just like an accidental uh, thing. It's something that Paul actually wanted them to kind of do and hang back and just to make sure that those disciples were continue to be established in the word. And so those believers at Thessalonica same, uh, they have a great testimony. And, and, you know, and this is the thing that you kind of have to understand just when you're looking at this one, when you read Acts, don't think next day this event happened. The actual first chapters is about like a span of 15 years. And so this is a long time. This 30, all of Acts is about 32 uh, year long, you know, space. And so just with that, when you read it, you have to be careful not to just throw on like, oh, this is the next day this happened. Unless it says next day, it, it needs time. And that time may not be clarified. The other thing that you might have to do with Acts in order for that clarity is read in the epistles. More, more times than not, because this is written by Luke, Paul, when he's doing his writings of those epistles, he's kind of opening up, hey, this is really what happened in greater detail about these particular, particular locations. And so just when you're doing that, it's just going to be good for you to go back and kind of look at, well, what else does the Bible have to say about what happened in these areas? Okay. And so... I think that just in terms of looking at that and just trying to get our bearings here, one of the things that I want to focus on, particularly this morning, is why is, why is Paul doing what he's doing? In this situation, it's a little different. Now, I don't have Silas and Timothy with me. And the other thing that you kind of have to pay attention to just a little bit is the fact that in verses 14 and 15, it says the brethren sent Paul away. And then it says, and they that conducted in 15, Paul brought him into Athens. One of the uh, kind of commentaries or just uh, that William Nicol kind of made mention of is that Paul's health is changing and he can't just necessarily make these trips by himself. And so you see there's kind of this weakening that's happening that again is not really mentioned that much because why, is, why does the Lord withhold this information? The narrative is more about what is happening with the mission. The neat thing is, is that we historically get a chance to look at and put together like, oh, there's some discomfort for this travel. This is a long distance or man, his health is not going so well, right? And so when you're looking at that, you're just looking at there are all these things and yet this guy is still about it. See, I, I want you to kind of just pay attention to that aspect because i remember in this class in particular um you know and really i think in the church but i know you more than the rest i would say we have all these things that kind of are like in the periphery of our mind and we always kind of need to just face the fact of is my um my intentions in the right place is my heart in the right place am i do i have a mission focus despite the fact i might not be feeling well things may not be going well I may have lost a job or whatever, right? And so that leads us to Athens. Athens at this time is under Roman rule. 
um, Athens historically, and even on some level, there's just an amount of respect still to this day about what it has represented culturally throughout its existence. It is a roughly 3,000 year old city. I've had the opportunity to, to go there. And even for me, just looking at the Acropolis or <clears throat> the ruins that they have there, the way it's just laid out in the city, it is uh, quite breathtaking. Uh, Paul makes no mention about how breathtaking it is. And how can a person that I'm telling you, if you ever have the chance to go there, it is something to behold just because you know the history. This is the home of Socrates and Plato. Man, uh, it, there were schools of thought that people would go to from all over the world that would come there and say, this is the, this is the place where great minds are. Great discourse was happening. It's a beautiful city and the way that it's laid out and the temples that they have there, even though it's under Roman control, even Rome appreciated that enough to allow it to be a free city. It's not like, the, like um, Philippi, which is like a carbon copy of what's happening in Rome. No, in Athens, you do, you, you do what you do. And there's no mention of its beauty. As a matter of fact, what he says is in verse 16, now, when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So there's a question. Why can't Paul just enjoy the splendor of Athens? You know, I think about Kansas City and just my own heart for my city. I, I love being here and being a Kansas City, and I love that I've grown up here. And, and, and the more I kept reading this, the Lord, I was like, should I say like? <laughs> and not love, maybe. I should just like it so that I don't overly enjoy it in a way that makes me blind and tripped up on the fact that, man, I'm worried about what the Chiefs are doing and the Royals. I'm disappointed. We don't have baseball. Me and Nathan, we like baseball. We go to the games together. I'm looking forward to that. Not this year, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> right? And it's a thing about when you were looking at a city and why you want to be there, the opportunities. When I grew up in Kansas City, it was the place you wanted to get away from. But now it's the city that the youth are staying in. They feel like there's so much out there. Man, I, there's something about that. I think a little bit, if I'm honest, Pops has said this for years, and I've always been like, grimaced in my heart because he's not a Chiefs fan the way I am. <laughs> But he's right, those things lull us to sleep. And what happens is, is you miss the state of the city because you are just enjoying it. They lull us to sleep. I think that Paul sees that there's a need there. It's evident, we see that his spirit is stirred there. Paul is able to see the influence that Athenians have and yet provoked by a separation from the one true God. One thing that needs to be noted of Athens in particular, not only obviously, you know, Greek mythology is something that even in America is studied. So, you know, all the various Greek gods that exist, but they also had statues to things like mercy. Things like redemption. And so like you're making his own separate statue. So for him who knows the one true God, knows that all those other guys, this is silly. Man, he's just going straight to the heart like, Lord, look at these people. 
and they're going on and their influence and what they have and the beauty and the splendor. And it's just the undercurrent underneath is dark. And sin abounds. And so I, a heart for the city. What's your heart for this city? When you think about living here and being Midwestern, some of us are really proud of that. You know, Midwestern values. We despise New York and despise LA because they're so progressive and how. But uh, let me just tell you, there are lost people here just like in New York and in LA. And if I don't really have the right heart for the city, I will miss that. And I'll be lulled to sleep by sports teams and, and new endeavors. I mean, this Kansas City is a growing thing. I mean, we're not any longer in the shadow of St. Louis, right? So what? If our people go to hell and we didn't, we weren't a roadblock to that, right? And so I want to just kind of bring us up to speed a little bit and, uh, and really just kind of get our heart. I believe this is what Paul is showing us, something super simple. When I was just kind of looking at this, and you think about the Great Commission as a command, but this even above that to some degree, because it really, if you, you can't do the Great Commission to me without this. What does it say? Matthew 22, 34, 40. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment, excuse me, the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. That's, how, that's, some, that's one of those things you ought to underline in your Bible. Anytime it says something is like, then that means you need to pay attention to the thing that is about to come after like and what was said before. What does he say? It's like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so we know that Jesus fulfilled the law. So when he says now what the great commission is, you don't think that he doesn't have this in mind? These commandments still apply. And it is the thing that I think in terms of just, if we're actually going to make any difference in this city, whether it be Kansas City or Dallas or whatever the other various places that are represented on, on Zoom, guys, we're gonna have to revisit, do I, it, Am I in the right spot with these original commandments? Do I love the Lord in such a way that I will obey him no matter what? And that I see people in such a way that I'm actually concerned about their spiritual state and I don't just walk amongst them. I think that's how you have Paul's view of what you're seeing and why his spirit is stirred, that he's not impressed by the beauty of Athens or the the amount of uh, <laughs> uh, words that are just coming out and so eloquently laid out, those things don't impress him because what he sees is, man, they don't, have, they don't know who Jesus is. 
And that is his primary concern. I think faith fellowship, if we are to actually just do that, we got to address that. We got to really ask ourselves these difficult questions. Am I all in with the Lord? With all my, man, I mean, let me just read it again. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's all of me. Not some of me. Not the convenient part of me. That's all of me. Am I there truly? Or are there lines in the sand in which the Lord would ask me to do something? I might go, no. How am I going to have a heart for the city if I don't have a heart for the Lord, really? And listen, this is not to make you feel bad. It's just to make you think. You got to just ask yourself those questions, right? Because here, the Lord loves you regardless of where your position is with him, and he would hope that you would just learn to love him more and more and more, right? And the more you do that, the more you become useful to him, because then you just surrender yourself to him. That's what Paul is doing. So Paul is imp impressive. He's surrendered. That's what we want to be, surrendered. And as it relates to those neighbors, well, he knows what he was. And he knows how often he treated people. And now the Lord has given him an opportunity to make good on that. Man, that's a big deal for Paul. It ought to be the same for us. But you know what often sometimes we do is, well, our viewpoint is a little bit different in terms of how we see the sin in others. And so to bring you up to speed here a little, and I, don't, I, don't, I was gonna put a map in here. I really wanted to show you of, uh, of just where we've been, but this time period is roughly uh, AD 53, uh, 53, excuse me, uh, or 54. We have seen up to this point, the history of the beginning of the church. We have seen the, the, the resurrection of, of Jesus the command to go into the world, starting first with Jerusalem to preach the gospel, the death of Stephen by the hands of the Sanhedrin, which is the spiritual authority of Israel, the Lord Jesus standing in heaven to offer both the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, the conversion of Saul the Pharisee to Paul the Christian, the shift of focus from Jerusalem to Antioch because of that continual denial by the Jews. We've seen that salvation and, and baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch the gospel ministry expansion and listen from cities that you need to know now, because, you know, if you type in some of these cities, I mean, not all of them. I mean, they will, they will kind of come up. Google's pretty good about that. But just in terms of the area, we have been to Jerusalem, Syria, Turkey, Eastern Europe, and now Greece. It acts. Like that's the span. When you look on the map, you should look at it. That's why I, I wanted to show you that, but I, I just kind of lost my mind for a second. And uh, man, it's, I, I couldn't believe the span of what the gospel is doing. And here's the deal. You got to understand something. Everywhere the gospel is going, the enemy is finding himself right there. Whether it's trying to counterfeit, discourage, or just take you out. You have to understand what's at stake here. And so, again... With all of those things in mind, our central idea is this, be stirred, be stirred. I don't believe for one minute the Lord has accidentally put you at MBT. You are here to be stirred. You are learning what the word of God says. It's being put in front of you. you there's opportunities. 
for you to be a part of the various mission trips, whether they be local or international. There is an institute by which you can be a part of to learn the word of God for yourself and not just hear it taught to you well, but so that you can know it. And then even for some that you would able, be able to teach it to others. Why do you think that is? It's to be stirred. It's so that I don't walk around like a zombie, not caring and just enjoying the beauty, the splendor of my city. And so let's get into our text. Of course, in our first two verses there, we had kind of mentioned and immediately the brethren sent away verse 14, Paul to go into, uh, as it were to the sea, excuse me, but Silas and Timothy abode there still. And one of the things that Joshua 2.16 kind of just informs us, just to kind of get our head wrapped around this is, it says, and she said to them, Rahab, get you into the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned and afterward you may go your way. And here's the deal, you got to understand, even hindrances have a purpose. Man, he's building something there. There is something that has taken place, but you got to understand hindrances have a purpose. It's okay. It's okay that maybe that thing that you set your heart to and the Lord said no. You don't know what reason that is. And, and honestly, sometimes, Christian, we should just have a viewpoint that says, Lord, I trust you enough that if you say no to this, or if you stop me from doing this, Good. That's better for me. The thing you don't always get a chance to understand is that sometimes there's others involved. And it was also a benefit to them. That India situation for us had forced another man to have to step in in our place. That was good for him. Never would have done it had we showed up. Hindrances have a purpose. Verse 15, and they conducted Paul, brought him into Athens, receiving a commandment unto Silas and, and Timotheus for to come with him with all speed and, and, and they departed. So those individuals that, that bring Paul there, there's a time period that they're going to get him set up. They're not just going to like drop him off. Well, all right, then boy, figure it out. <laughs> no, they get him set up. And there's some time there. And we can kind of see that one, we won't even see again, Silas and Timothy join him until Acts 18.5, but listen to this in 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 7. It says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto for verily, uh, verily, when we were with you, we were told you before that we should suffer tribulation as even as it had come to pass. And, you know, for this cause, when we can no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us, always desiring greatly to see you to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we have comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. That establishment there, like I said, is on purpose. This is the thing. Uh, God knows what he's doing. 
and a, a little bit, you know, you can read this like haphazardly, like these guys are on the run. And, and to some degree they are, but there's still strategy taking place where the Lord is wanting to establish these uh, mature churches. These churches that will be able to function, that will be a blessing to other places. Why is that important to you now? Because the one thing when we said it last week is that your labor is not in vain. You want to be a part of the things that are going to make for establishing uh, the right culture in people's lives. We can start at home with our children. So when you come, and even as Pastor Kenny said, man, if you didn't hear Tuesday, um, listen to it. <laughs> and just, you're going to get kicked in the face. It's okay. Just listen to it. It's good. It's just a great reminder for us to not be distracted, not be lulled to sleep, but to understand, believer, all the people that we have around us are opportunities, even the ones that we might have brought into this world. They're opportunities to show something. And so don't just think that even when you're saying those right things, guys, I can remember as a child, my mom told me things to keep me out of danger. And at the time I might've blown her off. And then maybe in the moment I listened to her, I was like, yeah, this is dumb. Guys, I can't be here. See ya, I gotta go. And then later on, I'm like, I'm glad she told me that. What if she had said, well, figure it out. I would have tried to, and it would have been terrible. Everything that you're doing matters. It's not in vain. Understand that it, it has weight. And sometimes there are hindrances. Sometimes you don't see out of people what it is you expect of them. But still say it in love. Encourage them. Move forward. Move forward. Just trust. God is in this. He's given me a command to do it, so now I must go do that thing. I love that. We can see that. But now let's get into that heart for the city that we had talked about earlier. And in verse 16, it says, now when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. And the thing that you have to understand about that is just like if you're standing there, and I can remember that just even of the ruins, because there are still the, uh, the columns that some of those statues stood on, man, they are all over the city, everywhere. I mean, like there are, you know, whole rows that are just dedicated to Imagine, say, going down uh, Prospect or Paseo and just every so many feet, there is a new statue to somebody. False, fake, <laughs> right? That's how it is. The problem is idolatry. Says they are wholly given to it. They are surrounded and consumed with these idols. But the thing that I want you to kind of just take from this and write down even, Paul being stirred doesn't lead him to complain, but rather he was led to try and reason with the people. Why do I write that? Because now what Christians have just gotten themselves into the habit of is when we see sin in others, we can call it out, but we don't do anything about it. All we do is make our judgments on them. I'll make our judgments on this city or that city. Some of you will never step foot in Las Vegas because that's a sinful city. Again, like Kansas City is off the list of sin places it's not but that's how we think i love that there's no complaint there there's a stirring there 
if you look at that that word stir there's only other another time that is kind of mentioned but it's mentioned in the way of provoked and in first uh corinthians 13 5 and it's just a mention there does not it's talking about charity does not behave itself unseemly seeketh not our own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil this guy is provoked and with great reason and again, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's fallen on those two commandments of where he is with the Lord in terms of what is the Lord has told him and where he sees people and what it is that they need. I love that. Christian, let's not just get into our groups where we kind of, um, we like to hear ourselves talk and, and, and get around each other and we can talk about how sinful the city is, but not yet willing to do anything about it. You know how we can fix that? Um, evangelism Saturdays. I mean, you can put your money where your mouth is. That's a good opportunity. It's something that as a class, honestly, we could do together. I mean, I think we should be challenged in some way. If this is a class that is going to actually uh, make a difference, then we ought, to, we ought to just see, we got an opportunity that the church is providing for us that we could do it corporately. That's how I want you to think. The other thing I want you to understand about this stirring is a great reminder um, narrative in numbers. And this plague that is taking place, and uh, man, <laughs> Israel is losing their mind. Okay, it has just gotten out of hand what is taking place here, and we're just going to enter into the middle of it. But in verse 6 of Numbers 25, 6 through 11, I, I, I'd say write that down so you can read the rest of it. Actually, the whole chapter is worth your attention. And it says, Behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Okay, so do you, do you see what's happening? So just say outside of Midtown's doors, there, I mean, there is crying, there is tear, Pastor Sam is out there, the rest, people are out there, right? So then what you have is one of the individuals, one of the children of Israel goes to get this Midianitish woman, and then look at this. And when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, verse 7, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent. Disgusting. There's a play going on. There's weeping. We're trying to make this right with God, and now we're going to find time to know one another? Wow. We would say, I mean, that's bold, right? But honestly, again, it's one of those things we can always call out, oh, that is increasingly sinful. Uh, Westport's not sinful. And the filth that works its way into this neighborhood after a Saturday night, how dangerous that, that place has become, right? Do we have that viewpoint of that? Look at what Phineas does. Now, listen, okay, dispensationally, please don't do this. <laughs> This is, this is under the law, right? And so you don't know. God is going to be very concerned if this is your activity. But I love that what he saw, like Paul, was so upsetting that he had to do something about it. 
was it say? Verse eight. And when he went after the man of Israel in the tent, he thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. And don't miss this. And so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. What if there is a, I mean, let's face it, guys, as time is winding down, there is on some level a death sentence for this entire city. And one way that you can interfere with that is by your sharing the gospel. You're having a heart for the city the right way. You're wanting that judgment to stop. Lord, have mercy on this city. Man, I can do that in a way that doesn't take a javelin, but I have the sword. It may take the sword. It will take the sword. This leads us to our first key point. Self-righteous eyes will always struggle to see the need in others, but having God's eyes will reveal just how great the need is. Listen, you can have eyes that always can point out the sin in somebody else, and you're not going to really see need. You're just going to condemn them. Well, they're destined for hell. That's nasty. That's awful. They're profane. But when you have God's eyes on it, you'll see, man, maybe your heart will be stirred properly. See, I, I, I want us to get to a place where that's, we are starting to think that way, where we just can kind of look at what's happening around us in our families and, and not just throw our hands up as if we don't have an answer. Um, if we don't have a solution, if we don't have light to share. I, my heart's desire is that we would actually not just see Tuesday night prayer as just a, uh, um, an obligation set forth by uh, the ministers of this church, but that we would see it as battleground for our families and workplaces and neighborhoods. Battleground. I, like I said, I don't need a javelin. I just need to show up to Tuesday night prayer. I just need to make my requests in here. And then I will take the advantage of the opportunities set forth by this church and maybe go on evangelism Saturday. Get some reps in. Get a little more comfortable. Just so I can be honest with somebody that I know really well. It's not about having a script. And what he's telling these guys and where his heart position is, it's just genuine. Genuine concern. Man, let's, let's get rid of those self-righteous eyes. Let's get God's eyes on the matter. Verse 17, it says, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily with them, that met with him. As you can see, he goes back into what it is that he is used to doing. Again, Paul being by himself, but now his heart is stirred. And I love that it says something very important at the beginning of verse 17. Therefore, as a result of this stirring, let me get to work. That's what that means. So important. Paul is a man of action. Ladies and gentlemen, we can be too. Therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily. This cat was like, I'm going to just be wherever I got to be. I love that. He, he's not asking. He's just like, the need is so great. I'm, a, I'm just going to be out here. 
he is being strategic in terms of just the amount of individuals that he can be around and just taking advantage of that, okay? We don't wanna miss that. There's something here though, and just in terms of his heart, is he doesn't want these guys to come away with not knowing the truth. And the one thing that we just gotta think about from Proverbs here, 120 through 22, it says, wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the street. She crieth in the cheap place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttereth her words saying, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Like, see, that's that viewpoint. If I don't have self-righteous eyes, I don't kind of have joy that people that I think are a little bit worthy of God's judgment don't hear from me. Now, boy, that, that's, you, nobody's gonna own up to that secretly, okay? You, we don't, I don't need a show of hands. This is, not that, this is not a show of hands type time, okay? But let's just face it. There are some individuals that you have encountered, you have tried, you are a little bit sick of, and instead of you just having a heart attitude that says, you know what? As I'm, I'm asking the Lord for utterance and opportunity with this individual, I'm going to give it to him. And sometimes you're like, well, go ahead then. Get a little bit of what God's got coming to you. Oh, my God, please help us not to maintain that position. I think a little bit we need to maybe look at that Proverbs verse says, wisdom is crying to me. Well, I listen. Well, I pay attention when it shows up. See, that's what Sunday morning is about, is for us to be encouraged together in the word and then say, okay, Lord, I hear you. I'm not, I'm not coming here hoping to hear from my favorite pastor, whoever that may be. Any of these cats that are going to teach us the word, that's my favorite, right? And so that's what I'm here for. I'm, Lord, tell me. What do you want to tell me? Man, can we have hearts that just says that, this person is ignorant and not in a way, you know how we would say ignorant, you are ignorant, you know, like, but like in a way, like, no, you don't know. I mean, they have a sign that says to the unknown God and he's like, no, no, I know him very well. Let me tell you about it. You see what I'm saying? That's different. The approach is different. The, the, the thing is, is like, you don't come with that self-righteousness. You don't come with that footloose type Christianity. Why are the movies they make the Christians crazy? Man, <laughs> maybe it's because we kind of are. <laughs> but like, you know, where you can't even talk to your own daughter. Man, just tell her what your heart is, man. It's a shame. Those that are around us that don't know better, man, let's tell them. Let's show them. Let's invite them to spaces and places where they can learn to do that. You know what happens like in Bible study, why our Bible studies in faith fellowship and really throughout the church, but let's just talk about for faith fellowship are so critical is because really what, let's say the church is just intimidating for them. They've been hurt by the church. They've had a difficult time and maybe the, you know, like the whole idea of organized religion, they just can't get with that. But there was something you said about the gospel or about what you're learning in the word. And, and they're kind of like, man, and you know, you just warm down, you ask them enough, and they're like, okay, I'm coming, man, stop asking me. You're like, yes, praise the Lord, you know? Because <laughs> that works too. <laughs> wear them down, you know? And, uh, 
And so then they finally come and then it's, there is something that is so neat. When you have that one, it adds life to the Bible study when you have guests. Listen, Faith Fellowship, I do not desire for a bunch of big heads in this class because all we do is just meet with each other. We're doing that today. We need to meet with those that don't know so we can tell them. And when they read it for themselves, Bible study leaders, listen to me. Have them read something and then ask them, hey, what did you get from that? And it could be as wrong as the day is long. And you just, <laughs> you just say, you know what? Thank you for that. Really what you meant was, <laughs> you know, and explain it. But what if they're right? What if they're close? That's what we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do. Guys, let's put wisdom in front of them with the Bible studies. But you got to show up to one before you can invite them to one. I just had to throw that in because I'm a fellowship leader. So I love you. Take those wounds. All right. <laughs> Everybody in here in the Bible studies. Okay, that's, you don't, you're a member, get in one. All right, that's what I was going to say about that. <laughs> Verse 18. <clears throat> then certain philosophers, uh-oh, uh-oh, now we done made such a ruckus that the real speakers of Athens show up. Now hold on now, who is this little dude <laughs> with his crazy words? Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and other Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Boy, these, let me tell you about these, these individuals here. So Epicureans, they are followers of Epicurus. That's kind of around uh, 342 to 279 BC. You guys know BC that the numbers go to zero and then they will rise up after AD. You guys know that that's how it went. Okay, because you might read that and go, why isn't 279 in front of that? You didn't know, you should have learned that in school. Okay, anyway, let's not get stuck there. <laughs> Those followers of Epicurus, they believe, listen, they believe pleasure was the highest good. So now, don't think long on it, but just, okay. You guys know how early, Greek and Rome is. All right. All right. We're done with that. So now with the Stoics, followers of Zeno, 270 BC, it's kind of when that start is, they believe supreme good was virtue and that man should be free of passion and not moved by joy nor grief. It's like these cats are on the opposite end of the spectrum. They would be considered fatalist and pantheist. Meaning what? They believed in this kind of multi-view of theism. And so they were going to try to maintain their viewpoints on their own, in the flesh. Just, you know, Epicureans, similar, but the opposite. No wonder there's so much confusion here. And it's interesting to me that God has a viewpoint about those that would consider themselves wise. I love this. First Corinthians 1.20, where is the wise? <laughs> Question mark. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world of wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save some that believe. See, Paul's viewpoint is, this is why I don't need to be impressed, because he knows that, because, well, he wrote that, <laughs> right? And so he totally gets that. He gets that God's wisdom is the wisdom that they need, and that all these things that they are going on and spouting off about and all of that, and just long, you know, times people laying on the steps and just listening to hear words constantly, he's like, man, you are talking about nothing, talking loud and saying nothing, right? And so I just... Do we kind of think that, but a little, you know, or do we, this is why I don't understand the YouTube can take people from a solid church and then put them in YouTube church. That just sounds like babble to me. As soon as I start listening, I'm like, no, that's wrong. Okay, well, let me see what the Milwaukee Bucks are doing because <laughs> that's, no, don't listen to that. But people would rather hear that. It's like you, the itching ear. You know what it is. Sometimes there's things internally in you you wanted to say to fit where your agenda is. And so when you find that, boy, it really, you're like, yes, finally, somebody that agrees with me because I am wise. No. <laughs> no. Where is the wise? The Lord is like, I'm looking for him. Where yet? Because you don't exist. None of you are wise unless you have my wisdom. Oh. See, the thing is with that, listen, if you are trending in the direction of YouTube um, ministry, let me warn you, Colossians 2.8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after, get this, the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Which leads us to our second key point. Because now these individuals have showed up. And it's very interesting to me because his heart is right. And because his intentions are good, you have to understand something. When I am going to have a heart for the city truly, I am, I am going to let the wisdom of God that has been given to me come through me and out of me. And I'm going to use it for his glory. What happens? God exalts those that exalt him, period. Period. See, it's not a surprise that he got the chance to talk to these individuals that are the, the great thinkers. Because now he gets to explain something to them. And what if, and we'll see, what if some of them get saved? What kind of, they have influence. You don't think that the Lord is going to exploit that for his glory? Absolutely he does. This is why, again, we can't pick and choose who it is that we're going to minister to. If I have a real heart for the city, it's everybody's game, right? Everybody, no matter where I'm at. I'm not asking for financial statements. I don't need social security numbers. Just if you're in front of me, man, let me tell you the truth. You know how the conversation goes. Christians, oh, man, the Lord is always wrangling these things. Kansas City in particular is a place where you can be standing in line at the grocery store and end up in a conversation. Isn't it? Like, you know, like during COVID, you know, people just, they just will talk to you. You waiting in line. I, so one time Serena and I talked to a couple at, um, at a restaurant and we end up sitting with them. We just met them in the lobby, but the wait was long. So it was like, well, you kind of know us. Well, 
You hungry? Well, they got the table before we did, so they're like, hey, you want to just eat with us? Uh, sure. <laughs> you know? And we kept the conversation going. Like that, man, that's, he's orchestrating that. And so, listen, let your words be measured every, don't waste the opportunities that you get. Don't think that they are accidental people just being nice. The Lord might be having them just to get in front of you so that now you can just start asking them some simple questions. And you got to think, be in the moment. Maybe it's Bible study. Maybe it is the gospel. Maybe it's invite them to church. Like be present in the moment. Listen, don't be ready to just spout out, you know, because that's Christians. Sometimes we just, we're not even listening. We're just waiting for you to stop talking. <laughs> right. And then I'm, oh, you didn't take it. Well, all right. Well, I guess go to hell then. You know, come on, man. No, listen, what did they say? What commonalities do you have? Man, wrangle, wrestle with them. Put them in a headlock in Jesus' name. <laughs> Inside joke, Mary Rashad, sorry. Um, in verse 19, it says, and they took him and brought him into Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest. Man, remember what we said, uh, God exalts those that exalt him. Now check this out for those of you that don't know, this is a court of individuals. Aeropagus, that's what that is. It sounds like it's just one individual, but it's not. This is where our Paul is going to end up in Mars Hill. So that sermon that he's going to teach later on is he's being invited. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I'm, I showed up in a place. I'm not lulled to sleep by all your splendor and beauty and wisdom and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to be about the Lord's business. It makes such a racket that the important, the intelligent ones come and seek me out and then say, hey, uh, tell us more about this. Now, yes, can we say something about the intentions behind that because they like new things? Absolutely, but we don't care. We don't care. Exploit us for Jesus' name. It works. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing, man. Now, I want you to get down right here. Paul is not stirred by enthusiasm in people, but rather their willingness to listen. Sometimes you minister to people that are very much not enthusiastic about hearing truth. <laughs> That's okay. You just pay attention, listen, and if they still give an ear, you give it to them. Verse 20, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, that these, what these things mean. Man, they're at least perplexed. They're at least wanting to listen. Who do you think is doing that? Well, let me tell you. Our last key point, obedience out of us is an open door for the Holy Spirit in us. When we obey... What happens is it becomes this launching pad for the Holy Spirit to do something that we couldn't, like, if you think about it, at best, Paul could hope that he could end up in front of these individuals, but the Lord is working it out just because he's obedient. He's obedient. This simple obedience. Holy Spirit shows up. Now you're in front of a court of individuals. 
to tell them the truth, to explain who this known God is, to explain the resurrection and why that's so important, that there's only one true God. And he sacrificed himself for you to have an eternal relationship with his father. That is going to blow their minds. All of their gods, they have to earn their favor and hope they don't just swipe them with some sword or big axe or something like that, right? No, that's not the God that we serve. Verse 21, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And so Christian, I just want to leave you with a warning. In 2 Timothy, it says, but shame, profane, and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. And why I want you to understand that is, listen, that YouTube thing is a real problem, even in this church. And you can pick and choose your words and the things that you say, and if you refuse to open your mouth and proclaim the name of Jesus, and all you have is profane things or vain things to say, it is no wonder, it is no wonder you may not be further along in your walk. That also becomes an open door to something. And it just opens you up to more foolishness. Listen, you gotta choose and pick and choose the wisdom that you have heard and not abandon it. You got to double down on it. And why am I doing that? Because again, that original two commandments, okay, that I have to fall back on, everything hangs off of is that my viewpoint of the Lord is this, my viewpoint of people is this, and it all stems from a, a place of love. And so I'm not just going to open my mouth blindly, just saying whatever, man, my, if I had spout off and could tell you too much about the chiefs and where they're headed, more so than what I can explain to you about the word of God, I'm doing it wrong. I'm just telling you. I'm doing it wrong. And so, man, I just want to close with that thought. Do we have a heart for this city? We're here. God has placed us here. God has placed us in this church. Some of us have been discipled. Some of us are in D2. Some of us are in LFBI. All of us should be in Bible study in this class. <laughs> I know you're working through that. Get into Bible study. Just work through it by showing up. One of them starts tomorrow. The men's is tomorrow night. Okay. So the same. But anyway, all of these things have become these platforms where wisdom is coming out. How, what is your response to it? Listen, what I want you to do this week is just soak it in. Soak in the things that God is telling you. And perhaps then, by your prayers, listen to me, by your prayers, ask that the Lord will allow you to share what it is that you learn even today. Can we do that? That we could start to have a, a history of not just saying the vain thing. Who, I mean, listen, we're praying for Ukraine, and if, but you don't need to be, you're not CNN or Fox News. You pray for them. Let's look at that through the lens of the gospel, right? Let our words come from a place where only wisdom truly resides, the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, just for today. 
And again, you know, I, Lord, this is something that even just in my own heart, Lord, I, I have to uh, really wrestle with. Lord, I, I do enjoy being here in KC and, um, and, and the people that I've met over the years that have just made, whether they made an impact in, in a small way or in a big way. Father, I, I just pray for myself and, and this class, Lord, that we wouldn't just enjoy it's a developing city around us with improving sports teams. But Lord, that we would actually see that this is a, a city that is in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we don't pick and choose what part of the city gets the gospel and what part doesn't. Lord, no one one area code is, is more at risk than the other. Lord, they are all at risk. And so, Lord, would you just use us, would you use us in this class to, to have a heart to see that, Lord, those conversations at the grocery store and coffee shops and whether sometimes they seem easy and sometimes, Lord, we might actually have to do something about it. Lord, would you, by your spirit, lead us, guide us so that we might open our mouth. Lord, it is a privilege for the opportunity to do that. And so we don't want to do that recklessly. Lord, help us to take advantage of the things that we have here in this church as offered Tuesday night, just so we can see it properly. Lord, we're getting equipped on Sunday. It's a battleground on Tuesday. And Lord, and then everything in the middle, our meeting times of discipleship, LFBI and Bible study. Lord, would you bless those things? that they would stay centered and focused on your truth and your word. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, we, I'm praying now, would you have mercy on Kansas City and that you would delay whatever wrath that is to come and that, Lord, give us an opportunity, give us time, Lord, um, just to be able to minister to these people. We do care for them. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.